Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You are listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome to the breakfast show live from the Battle of Two Mosque, which is one of the largest mosques in the Western Europe. My name is Asim Hashmi and the day today is 9th February 2023. So for today's show we have two topics. The first topic which we'll be discussing is how to instill the importance of oral health in children that seems an interesting topic and and the second topic is that how can every day be valentine's day but before that as always we will be discussing what are the papers saying but let's check the weather first so the weather is that the plenty of fine weather after early cloud and rain clears so today early cloud and patchy light rain edging southwards clearing the south coast by early afternoon clearer behind this with sunny spells developing all parts dry and sunny with light winds through the afternoon maximum temperature 9 degrees and tonight long clear periods overnight with all parts dry light winds the odd rural mist or freezing fog patch may form after midnight along with a widespread sharp frost minimum temperature is minus 6 so as you can see it is still going to be chilly uh, it is going uh, to minus 6 uh, maximum at night so let's see what the papers are saying today Uh, let's talk about the Turkey earthquake. President Erdogan accepts some problems with response. So the Turkey president has defended his government's response to two catastrophic earthquakes, saying it was impossible to prepare for the scale of the disaster. At least 15,000 people are confirmed death in Turkey and northern Syria. Uh, critics claim the emergency service response was too slow and the government was poorly prepared mr erdogan accepts the government had encountered some problems but said the situation was now under control the leader of turkey's main opposition party uh, kamal uh, disagreed uh, he said if there is one person responsible for this it is erdogan he said the president rejected the accusation and said unity was required in the aftermath of the disaster in a period like this i cannot stomach people conducting negative campaigns for political interest he told reporters in hatay so sadly thousands of survivors have been spending a third night in freezing conditions with hope fading for many trapped under the rubble A World Health Organization official has warned there could be significant injuries caused by freezing temperatures among survivors of the quakes. We got a lot of people who have survived now out in open is worsening and horrific conditions said WHO earthquake response incident manager Robert Holden on Wednesday. We are in real danger of as seeing a secondary disaster which may cause harm to more people than the initial disaster if we don't move with the same pace and intensity 
as we are doing on the search and rescue. So this was the news regarding a Turkey's earthquake. Um, it is sad and let's hope and pray that um, we can save those people who are trapped under the rubble and and the uh, the turkey can help these people especially uh, the government so the second news is that a chinese balloon part of the worldwide fleet us official says that the us believes a suspected chinese surveillance balloon that was shut down over its territory is part of a wider fleet that has spanned five continents that is an interesting news. The United States was not uh, the only target of this broader program, Secretary of the State Attorney Blinken said. He added that the U.S. has shared information gathered from the balloon debris with dozens of other countries. China has denied the balloon was being used for spying purposes and said it was a weather device blown astray. A U.S. Officials have described the balloon as being about 200 feet, uh, which is around 60 meters tall, uh, with the payload portion compared in size to regional airlines and weighing under hundreds of potential thousands of pounds. It was shot down by a fighter jet over the South Carolina coast on Saturday, a move that set off a diplomatic crisis and promoted Secretary Blinken to immediately call off a trip to China, the first such high-level US-China meeting there in years. So this was the news regarding the balloon. I mean, we, we can't really say what it actually was. China's denying it. The US is saying it was not accidental, but they know more, right? So another uh, news is that um, Nicola Boli dive team pull out as search extended. The search for Nicola Boli has been extended after specialist dive team said it had completed its work. So Peter uh, Folding from Specialist Group International said his team were pulling out as the mother of two was categorically not in the area of river where police were believed she fell in. So Miss Bully, age 45, was last seen walking her dog by the river of St. Michael's on Wye in Lancashire 12 days ago. The search has now been extended as far as not end and Morecambe Bay, and Mr. Folding, who was called in by the family to help with the search, said, we've done very thorough searches all the way down to the where Police divers have died, dived in three times extremely thoroughly. Uh, that area is completely negative. There's no sign of Nicola in that area. The main focus will be the police investigation down the river which leads out to the estuary. He added, if Nicola was in the river, I would have found her. I guarantee you that, and she's not in that section of the river. Mr. Folding told the media on Wednesday that he felt his team had done all they can. So that was the news regarding Nicola, who drowned maybe in the river, but we hope that they can uh, find Nicola. Another news is that NHS 
to use tests that prevents babies going deaf. That is an interesting news. A rapid test that can help prevent the hearing of newborn babies is said to be used by NHS hospitals. For some babies, commonly used antibiotic can become toxic and the drugs uh, damage sensory cells in, inside the ear, leading to a permanent hearing loss. So the test which analyzes baby's DNA can quickly spot those who are vulnerable. It means they can be given different type of antibiotic and avoid a life, having a lifetime of damaged hearing. Um, the antibiotic which is used is gentamicin. gentamicin. Um, it's antibiotic uh, if a newborn develops a serial bacterial infection. It is life-saving and safe from the majority of people. However, it is a rare side effect. About 1,250 babies in England and Wales are born with a subtle change in the genetic code that allows the antibiotic to bind more strongly to the hair cells in the ears where it becomes toxic. These tiny hairs uh, help convert sounds into the electric signals uh, that are understood by the brain if they are damaged it results in hearing loss. The side effect is well known, but until now there will there was no test that could get uh, the results fast enough. It uh, would be dangerous to delay treatment and alternatively if antibiotics are not used as they have their own side effect and because of concern about antibiotic resistance. And so regarding this new test, that they say that the new Genodrive kit analyzes a sample taken from inside the baby cheek test at two neonatal intensive care unit in Manchester and Liverpool showed it could spot who was uh, to have hearing loss in 26 minutes and using it did not delay treatment. So uh, we can see that this uh, can spot uh, the hearing loss in 26 minutes which is quite uh, magnificent and we hope that the other hospitals and everywhere in the whole UK and even if other countries need it they can get it from the NHS and um, it can help children worldwide. Another news for social media users that the Twitter outage sees users told they're over daily tweet limit does that mean Twitter is being used a lot? So let's see. Some Twitter's users were unable to tweet on Wednesday after the website experienced technical problems. Account holders received a message saying, you are over the daily limit for sending tweets. The outrage tracking website DownDactor reported the glitch at just 22 GMT. Elon Musk has less Twitter's workforce over the last few months since he acquired the platform last October for $44 billion, which is roughly £36.5 billion. Last month, the Tesla and SpaceX boss said Twitter had about 2,300 employees, down from around 8,000 when he took over. For months, experts have been warning that such deep cuts could cause technical issues, though it is not yet clear if the reduced headcount was to blame for Wednesday's outage. 
It appears part of the archer was soon fixed with many users reporting they could tweet. Some were reporting being notified by Twitter that they have were over the 2400 tweet per day limit even if they had not posted on Wednesday. Account holders had also reported problems with a Twitter message. Several users said they could not access TweetDeck dashboard that can be used with Twitter. So Twitter users were in a bit of trouble for a short period of time because they could not tweet, but um, it was fixed. Another news, if we go to sports, uh, we had an interesting match yesterday in the Premier League. Uh, we had Manu facing Leeds. Manu was at home. And um, surprisingly, Leeds actually scored in the first minute. It was actually under one minute, and uh, which uh, did shock um, the manager, of course. And also, it's, the final score was 2-2. Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho combined to deny managers less Leeds a rare Old Trafford victory as Manchester United came back from two goals down to snatch a point from a thrilling Roses clash. The host looked finished when Rafael Varane turned uh, a cutback into his own net to put Leeds two head after Wilfred Conto had given them a first minute lead. But Rashford halved the deficit when he headed home Diago Dolot's inviting cross before Sancho only just back to the first team duties after recovering from physical and mental issues, scoring his first Premier League goal since September when he drove home from 10 yards after Luke Shaw's initial shot had been blocked. Varane brought an excellent save out of Ilan Meslier as Manchester United haunted a goal to extend their 13-match winning streak on home sale. Anything less than a point would have been extremely harsh, harsh on Leeds, who sacked manager uh, on on the previous manager on Monday, and they also hit the post through uh, Brendan Aronson in between the home side two goals. So this could have been three two to Leeds, but uh, sadly it did hit the post. The result moves them a point clear of the relegation zone and above West Ham into 16th position. Although, after this suburb contest, uh, the Ellen Road match rematch in four days' time will be an occasion to relish. So this was the only football we had um, yesterday. If we're looking at more news, we can see that uh, Zelensky has come to UK asking for uh, fighter jets. He has gone to, um, he actually has gone to Europe now. Um, Zelensky asked France and Germany for fighter jets. Uh, the Ukrainian leader has taken his request for fighter jets to France and Germany after meeting UK officials. President Zelensky met the two countries' leaders in Paris on Wednesday evening, where they pledged ongoing support to Ukraine. France's Emmanuel Macron and Germany's Olaf Scholz restated their belief that Russia must not win the war. Mr. Mr. Zelensky will make more requests for jets when he meets European Union leaders in Brussels on Thursday.
He believes the fighter jet and long-range missiles are important in addition to the Leopard 2 tanks Western nations have recently committed to supplying. Speaking at joint uh, news conference uh, on Wednesday evening, Mr. Macron and Mr. Scholz, Mr. Uh, Mr. Zelensky said France and Germany had potential to be game changers in the battle against Russia by providing Ukraine with battle tanks, modern fighter planes and long-range missiles. So this was uh, with the news. We will go for a short break and then shortly we will come to our first segment which is the um, which is how to instill the importance of oral, oral health in children. So let's go for a short break and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, may peace be upon you. Welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Just before the break, uh, Brother Hashmi was going through the news and seeing what's been happening in the morning papers, but now it's time that we do start our first segment. And our first segment being with regards to oral health in children, so how to really instill the importance of oral health uh, from a very young age. Um, and as usual, we'll have experts helping us navigate through this segment, um, enabling us really, and indeed everybody that's listening, to understand um, the topic in greater detail. So, the gist. Well, National Children's Dental Health Month, which is from February the 1st to February 28th, um, and it's sponsored by the American Dental Association in partnership with Crest and Oral-B. Uh, the month-long awareness campaign aims to work with children, caregivers, teachers, and other professionals to raise awareness of the benefits of good oral health. And I think... Sometimes these um, specifics, Brother Hashmi, do um, get left behind. Um, I mean, dare I say, a lot of people only brush their teeth perhaps once a day, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which isn't the ideal scenario. So, what is the best way to brush your children's teeth? Well, toothbrushes should be replaced every three to four months um, and the frayed bristles decrease their effectiveness Um, and as soon as you can see teeth in their mouth start encouraging them and helping them to brush their teeth the best technique to use is angling the toothbrush towards their gum line and using small sideways or circular strokes the gum line is where the plaque tends to build up first and causes decay. Oversee your children until they have a good routine with brushing. Recommended that this should be until seven years of age when their hand-eye coordination is at a level they are able to brush themselves. Look out for the best levels of fluoride in toothpaste. Look out for fluoride 1450 written on the toothpaste packaging um so these very key points to remember if um for all of us really especially those of us with children 
so that we can enable this practice from a young age. Next point here being don't rinse out the toothpaste, just spit out any excess and this will take away the benefits of the fluoride. Don't feed your children sugary snacks frequently as this increases the chance of tooth decay. That being, I think, the most challenging out of mm-hmm. all of them. Absolutely, um, yeah. Children loving their sugary snacks. Seeing a dentist frequently. You know, how many of us, or adults at least, um, go and see our dentists? Um, children, you know, and children too, really. Um, even though baby teeth fall out, it's essential to instill healthy habits in children that will last them a lifetime. So, it's a very important and significant points there to remember. We're also very fortunate to have um, a pre-recorded interview with um, a doctor um, that we will pray for our listeners later on, um, that being uh, with Dr. Osama Riaz, and we'll also have uh, an interview um, with various, various other um experts and consultants that will enable us to, as I mentioned earlier on, to have a further understanding of um, the topic at hand. So, another aspect to brushing our teeth, or at least oral care, is to do with flossing. Um, And the question arises is, why is flossing so important? Well, tooth decay um, is the most important important um, matter when it does come to looking after our teeth and it's the most common of chronic disease amongst children. As a flossing it helps remove particles and plaque between teeth and along the gum line where your toothbrush simply cannot reach Um, and it's also actually a better removal of bad breath um, which perhaps some people aren't aware of. It also reduces the risk of cavities, reduces the likelihood of soreness, puffiness, and redness of the gums. So it's recommended that we should floss at least once a day, uh, preferably before bedtime and before brushing to ensure loosened particles are cleaned away from the mouth. So um, very much so important that we do remember these uh, points that will enable us, as mentioned earlier, to look after those teeth of ours that are doing such an, an incredible job. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, not even uh, older people would know um, regarding flossing how important it is. And as you said, you know, it keeps your mouth fresh. Uh, you, you don't have a bad breath. So it's also important that uh, we try that our children have um, do flossing as well. No, most certainly. Um, I'm also pleased to say that we have been joined by our first guest caller this morning. A very warm welcome to Dr. Midhart. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum as Dental Midhart is a dental surgeon. Over nine years of experience working as a dental surgeon in London. Experience in all fields of dentistry, has a special interest in cosmetic, fixed and aligner orthodontics. Currently the lead associate clinician at a practice in London, um, taking on more challenging multidisciplinary treatment planning. Um, Dr. Midard, why is, bar- why is um, bad oral hygiene so common in children? 
Um, that's a good question. Um, a lot of the times what happens is um, with children, it's important that the foundations of, of that the parents have good foundations because they've got to lead by example. Um, and if the parents have established good dental hygiene habits, like brushing, visiting your, the dentist, and also understanding sugars. Um, children like sweets, and there's lots of, um, you know, sh and sugars, um, but we've got to think about sugars which are hidden as well. So understanding all of that and establishing those um, good habits from a young age really makes a difference. So uh, being able to limit the sugary and sticky foods to just out, you know, just um, after your meals, for example, rather than having sugars at the end in the evening, which can be worse off. Mm. Um, it's better to uh, avoid having them as a snack. Um, and when we're talking about very young children, things like milk has hidden sugars. So letting your child sleep with a bottle um, in the night, all of these things, you know, can, can add up. And if the, the, the children are seeing that the parents are bringing in sugary foods and snacks, um, then, you know, then that's one of the things I focus on. I always ask, um, whenever I see any children, I ask the parents, who's buying it? And then they look and they think, okay, it kind of, you know, the light bulb goes on. Um, and yeah, just, just, just ensuring that the parents are bringing from a very young age, I usually say, bring the child from the first year, so that they acclimatize that seeing the dentist. Every six months, usually we see children um, because the teeth are softer um, and more, um, it's easier for the children's teeth to be eroded and, um, you know, to get decayed. Mm. So, no. yeah, we, we, we established this, um, these, um, habits, good habits, earlier. Fantastic. So you, you sort of answered my second question, um, oh, you know, okay. with, with the appeal of sweets, junk food, um, that children have, um, sort of the best sort of um, balance that the parents can find um, with, you know, trying to maintain the oral hygiene. Um, I guess, well, you know, children also... Um, they lose their baby teeth. Um, and does bad oral hygiene affect adult teeth if baby teeth are neglected? That's a great question. Um, yes. So so the answer in, in short would be yes. Because, as I said, because the, the primary teeth are softer and the decay spreads, a lot of the times those poor habits been established already <laughs> and the children kind of you know it's really hard to change behaviors um, so that's why it's key to have the good behaviors and learn it the right way right from the beginning but it's it's, it's, you know, it's not impossible to change them either but often whenever I see children who have high decay um, you know and, and we always also look at siblings as well um, because, you know, these are habits that are in the house. We always say, look, you've got another chance. Um, I always say to the children, you know, you've got these baby teeth. 
So it's, it's time to look after those because after that, you know, you get the adult teeth, but then that's it. <laughs> You've got to keep them till forever. Um, so, so it's really important to, to get this, uh, you know, and, and it's an indicator. So if you have decay, um, we've got something called like the DMFT. So if you've got, which is, which is an indicator, if you have a high rate of decay for oral hygiene habits, a poor diet, not enough fluoride usage from toothpaste um, as a child, you're, you're likely to have as an adult the same. It, it like transfers. So it's really important to have those uh, good behaviours in early. Um, and, and, you know, decayed teeth are more likely to have infections, which affects the successor tooth. Um, and it's sometimes overuse of antibiotics as a child or if there's dental neglect can affect the actual formation of the adult teeth that come through. That is interesting. So, uh, Dr. Mithat, a question is that uh, has there been an increase in bad oral health in uh, today's youth? Mm, I think in, in general, if I compare pre and post pandemic i would say perhaps yes i think covid um with 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 covid especially you know people have been at home and children in in particular and the youth um it's been difficult to keep them entertained and a lot of parents have had to bring in um new ways to get the children to to look after their teeth but a lot of the times it's been difficult for them to even though they are at home to monitor because they've had to do everything at home um i i think perhaps from what i've seen i would say maybe it has it it, it has worsened a little bit mm-hmm. um uh, from my experience but generally as a whole i do think today's youth are more aware there's a lot of social media about everything. Um, so, you know, to the youth, it comes with a caveat. Actually, the youth are, are very uh, cosmetic, uh, or cosmetically aware. Um, but at the same time, I think if we're looking at the last two years, perhaps it has slipped a little. Okay, interesting. So important question is that um, how regularly should children and also adults uh, visit a dentist and why? Um, generally, for children, I would say start, the parents start bringing them from the first year. Um, so they acclimatize and every six months um, for reasons which I aforementioned that the you know, decay process happens quicker and also it establishes good habits from a young age. Um, and then after the age of 16 to 18, um, we generally... It depends. We've got these recall intervals called NICE guidelines, which we kind of um, base the recalls over. And it really depends on their dental needs, whether we need to see whether they're high needs, whether they've got high risk, whether we need to see them for, you know, within three months, six months, uh, nine months, 12 months, and so on. Some patients, um, we need to see them every, you know, these are patients who have been coming in over a long period of time their dental health is stable. Um, we don't really need, you know, we, we are confident that we can just see them once a year um, and sometimes twice a year. And so it really just depends on their dental needs. 
and their dental health and that and how regularly and how routinely we see them to be able to make that um but generally between you know don't leave it too long before you know for adults especially before you see the dentist or the hygienist um i always recommend seeing the hygienist at least twice um a year um or once a year because then the hygienist often you know you've got two extra pairs of eyes and the hygienist often refers to the dentist if there is anything that they pick up on Fantastic. Well, Dr. Medard, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us this morning. Thank you so much for sparing the time, and hopefully we can speak again in the future. Jazakallah. Thank you so much. That's Dental Medhan, the dental surgeon, over nine years' experience working as a dental surgeon in London. Um, and, you know, it's some very interesting and pertinent points that the doctor mentioned, um, especially about how we should actually um, see the hygiene specialist twice a year, Um alongside various other interesting points. Um, and I think the primary role here, um, as the topic is with regards to children, um, being the onus on parents making sure that they do balance the amount of sugary snacks that they do allow their children to eat, which in itself is a very daunting and difficult task. But a task, I guess, which various parents across the globe really have to um, overcome. Right, we'll take a short break now, and after the break we'll continue with this segment and perhaps see what Islam has to say on oral hygiene. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Asalaamu Alaikum, may peace be upon you, and welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Right, so before the short break, we were speaking with Dr. Mithard. He was helping us understand the importance of oral health um, and instilling this um, within the children of today. Um, but it's now time that we do. Yes, um, look at this topic with an Islamic lens and see what Islam has to say on the subject. Now, if our listeners uh, are aware, um, the overall significance of cleanliness has a huge part to play in the religion of Islam. Um, you know, Islam being one of those religions, or in fact is the religion, which we believe uh, was and indeed is, ahead of its time and the founder of the religion of Islam the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him was um, you know we can quite rightly say to be a visionary Um, and indeed he instilled various uh, fundamentals which are very much so pertinent today as they were so long ago and and will continue to be so and one of these aspects um, that he introduced and indeed taught of was with regards to uh, maintaining a high standard of cleanliness. In fact, he stated, and I quote, cleanliness is half of faith. And indeed, you know, this leaves absolutely no room for any doubt for a Muslim that being clean or having um, a good appearance and taking care of our hygiene are all important things, um, not just aesthetically or to aesthetically please ourselves, but from a religious standpoint for Muslims. 
And it's also really important for us to realize that this has a dual meaning. So cleanliness refers to a physical and inward purification. So both are important towards Muslims. And if we look around the world, what we'll find and what we'll see is that personal hygiene is something that the whole world stresses upon. You know, we have millions of products related to hygiene. Various soaps, various shampoos and toothpastes and, you know, all sorts of um, uh, face washes, should I say. Um, so what's really missing in this world today is a spiritual and inward cleanliness. And Islam, um, you know, promotes a perfectly balanced approach. So both having the outward approach and indeed the inward. And most aspects of Islam focus on spiritual and inward cleanliness. And so I learn indeed the Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, strong words regarding the importance of cleanliness and purification help us really to keep the importance of hygiene in view of everything that we do indeed do um, because without having the high standards of cleanliness that we should have of hygiene that we should have you know we simply cannot perform our prayers um, which is a fundamental teaching and indeed practice and uh, principle of every Muslim. Brother, I'll see many um, comments on the Islamic point of view and indeed where Islam stands on uh, the significance of cleanliness and how we can actually instill this within the children of today. Absolutely, brother um, Shazib. So even if you see in the Holy Quran, if you go to chapter 5, verse 7, it, it says that, all you who believe um, when you stand up for prayer, wash your faces and your hands up to the elbows and pass your wet hands over your heads and wash your feet to the ankles. And if you're unclean, purify yourselves by bathing. And if you are ill or you are on a journey while unclean or one of you comes with a, a privy or you have touched a woman and you find not water, Betake yourself to pure dust and wipe therewith your faces and your hands. Allah desires not that he should place in a difficulty, but he desires to purify you and to complete his favor upon you so that you may be grateful. So, of course, from this verse, we can also see how important a cleanliness is in Islam. There's also a, a saying that uh, Hazrat Aisha and may Allah be pleased with her, relates that the Holy Prophet, and may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that brushing the teeth purifies the mouth and pleases Allah. The Messenger of Islam said, Had I not found it difficult for my followers, I would have ordered them to clean their teeth before every prayer. So this mm -hmm. uh, clearly mm -hmm. states how important cleanliness and of course, mm -hmm. of course, also a brushing is. Mm, it's a very profound, a very um, robust um, principle and statement from the founder of the religion of Islam. You know, there simply leaves no doubt for any Muslim at least that the importance of um, both our physical state and indeed specifically to do with the topic at hand, uh, oral um, hygiene is very much so important. So we have both the religious incentive here and indeed the 
secular, secular being the scientific uh, point of view, and indeed the various um, health benefits that we do know now of today. Um, and this is actually, you know, this this is why we have always stated, um, you know, especially the Amdi Muslim community, wherever we are, we we desire to um, really put Islam's true face. Um, on 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 view for everyone really to understand its true teachings, um, and many of our listeners perhaps wouldn't even have been aware of the levels of cleanliness that Islam promotes each Muslim to abide by, and you know this being in many people's eye a minute um, principle, but a most significant one um, because of the various detrimental effects that can be. Um, inhibited if we do not look after our oral health um, or oral hygiene, should I say. We are now fast approaching the 8 o'clock news, so we'll take a break, and after the break we'll continue with this segment, um, and also actually we'll play a pre-recorded interview with the doctor, with one Dr. Usama Riaz, who will help us again um, to understand in greater length and detail the significance of oral health and hygiene and how we can instill this within our children from, ver- from a very young age. So stay tuned. Dear listeners, um, very delighted today to have with me Dr. Usama Riyadh, who is a general and family dentist working in Hampshire and currently studying for a master's in restorative dentistry. And dear listeners, he has a keen interest in prevention of dental diseases. Dr. Usama Riyadh, uh, Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Uh, good morning and peace uh, be on you all and uh, thank you for having me. Um, Dr. Osamariyas, um, I just wanted to know uh, you have a key interest in prevention of dental diseases. How many diseases are there? Um, there can be many diseases. So the most common one um, I'll mention here. So for example, mm. uh, you know, dental decay or technically what's known as dental caries, it's the most common disease in the world. So it's basically when you have a hole in a tooth or decay uh, where your tooth then eventually possibly breaks down or starts hurting uh, it's, uh, or a cavity, com- commonly people call it. So that's one of the most common things. Um, and uh, there are a few others such as depending on you know what you've been through. So let's say if uh, children have been um, have had a fall or uh, they've uh, bumped into something mm-hmm. so that can cause mm-hmm. trauma. Uh, there can be problems which are developmental, so I, either they're born with it, so obviously you're not born with teeth generally, and mm. uh, once they develop, so I, during birth, let's say, or during um, their early years of life, some childhood illnesses can affect the development of teeth, so they can display on the teeth when the teeth uh, come into the mouth. Uh, some people, uh, children who have, uh, you know, an, sort of smaller jaws, if you like, uh, then they can have crowding or overlapping or crooked teeth, etc. Uh, and uh, not necessarily dental, but psychological that affects um, sort of children can be phobia. So either they can be scared and uh, afraid of visiting the dentist. Uh, so these are the common uh, things that are uh, sort of um, you know experienced by children. So dental decay uh, is basically by far the most common um, that uh, requires some intervention. Uh, or, uh, you know, um, basically taking care of it. And, um, Doctor, um, what are the main causes of these diseases? And is there a way that we can prevent them as well? Yes, absolutely. So, 
uh, <clears throat> in terms of um, uh, you know the causes, um, essentially you know dentistry. What's really uh, important is essentially prevention is better than cure. So most of these dental diseases are preventable. I if you uh, do the basics, and I'll come to that. Uh, and you visit the dentist regularly, you can prevent most of the problems. So how these problems are caused, uh, number one tends to be uh, brushing, or I should say lack of. Uh, mm. And secondly, um, it's to do with your diet. So for example, okay. uh, when it comes to brushing, um, basically uh, it uh, is very important to incorporate that into your routine. And if that routine starts in childhood, Later on in life, it can be hard to develop a routine. So uh, the common advice that we give uh, to parents and children is that uh, last thing at night is a must for brushing and then one other occasion. So for example, uh, commonly people, so that's why we advise to you know brush twice a day. So out of which, mm -hmm. last thing at night is a must because at night uh, you want to leave a clean mouth um, so that bacteria don't thrive and cause mm -hmm. any damage. And then it's just easier when you wake up in the morning to just do it then. Some people prefer to do it after breakfast. That's fine as well. But make sure you leave about half an hour before you brush your teeth if you are going to brush after. So it's, that's why it's just easier when you wake up, do it. So any plaque that's built up overnight on your teeth, any bacteria that are there, then you uh, clean them. Uh, so that's the cleaning part. And then the other way of preventing it is uh, your diet. Now, uh, commonly, mm. Uh, people think, oh, I don't eat that much sweet. Uh, I just have a little bit, but I have it, you know, throughout the day. Now, this is really, uh, you know, uh, misleading and uh, it's common misperception. So for teeth, what matters is the snacking element, i.e. how many times you eat something. So even if it's, let's say, you have a big bar of chocolate and you have it all in one go, then technically for teeth, it's less damaging. Whereas if you break that bar into 10 pieces and then have it 10 separate times a day, that's like attacking your teeth 10 separate times. Mm. So that's why we say that snacking between meals is really, really damaging. So anything you're going to have, try and limit it to meal times. Uh, we understand that obviously for children, uh, it can be you know challenging. They're growing. They're, they've been active at school. Uh, and uh, when they come home, you know they want to go for a snack. So possibly, you know, one snack I'm sure is acceptable. Your teeth can cope with it. But uh, what's commonly, uh, you know, um, uh, mistaken is that, you know, what parents would consider as healthy snacks aren't necessarily healthy for the teeth. So, for example, commonly people reach for, you know, raisins, for example, but they're mm. full of sugar. Um, fruit juices, squash, uh, they will have lots of sugar as well. Okay. Um, so biscuits for example common misperception somehow it's uh, you know an okay thing to get it's not ideal so a fruits are acceptable because obviously they're good for your general health as well but try and have them together rather than let's say your five a day but on five separate occasions so that's more damaging either have them with your meals and then the more sort of uh, less sugary snacks so cheese strings breadsticks nuts they are better uh, at snacks and watch out for those hidden sugars in these apparently healthy snacks. Uh, so ideally avoid them uh, because things like juices can also co have a lot of acid and cause damage to teeth that way. And uh, obviously just mentioning briefly the other 
thing, uh, common things that I mentioned. So uh, if, you know, there's been any trauma to the teeth, that would be possibly due to a fall, etc. Obviously, when you're playing, you know, nobody does it intentionally. So if there is an unfortunate accident, just make sure you seek help uh, appropriately. So, for example, there could be that the tooth has broken under the gum where you don't realize uh, or, uh, you know, sometime further down the line. If the tooth is left in there, it could cause damage to your adult tooth that's going to come underneath. Uh, and uh, sometimes the tooth can go discolored or gray further down the line. So mm. if uh, an unfortunate accident happens, make sure you seek appropriate help. And the thing about I mentioned about um, the phobia of children, so children not, the thing is children start from a very neutral position. So if you only talk positively about a dental visit, they will always come in expecting nothing other than a, a good, you know, uh, happy visit to the dentist. Uh, what we find is that if parents themselves um, have a phobia or they haven't had a good experience in the past at the dentist, they then subconsciously transfer that uh, fear into the children. Um, so if, uh, and I see that in my surgery, uh, where I can tell that the parents aren't very, um, uh, you know, um, happy to be uh, in mm -hmm. a dental practice, and they subconsciously transfer that, uh, you know, uh, aura to their children. So it's important for parents to put their fears aside, only talk about it positively. Sometimes it helps to show them a cartoon character going to the dentist, or mm -hmm. there are books about positive visits to the dentist. So it's always so they, they then have a good experience, and then they have, uh, they build up on it. Amazing. Um Doctor, you were talking about parents as well. Um, you just explained us one of the responsibilities we have towards our children in regards of teeth and visiting the dentist. But are there any other um, advice you can give to parents to ensure that children's daily routine also looks after the teeth? Yes, that's that's a very good question. So, um, like any other routine, so you know, uh, children are kind of being trained for life, you know, at home. Um, so. It's very important, like, you know, their daily, whether it's, uh, you know, a bath or a shower or, you know, cleaning themselves, brushing your teeth is extremely important. And people don't realize it until something goes wrong. And then, mm -hmm. of course, you know, it's a very, it can be a very traumatic experience. Uh, and I, we see that, um, you know, commonly. Um, so make sure, firstly, because it's all preventable. So if they've been brushing twice and they've, their diet is sensible or the pattern of diet is sensible like I described just now. Um, mm. That's really important. As parents, make sure you do. Initially, they will struggle to brush themselves. And in which case, uh, you know, please, parents should brush it for them or let them have a go. And then parents then brush afterwards for them. Make sure it's brushed for at least two minutes. So for example, mm. you can get a sand timer or something like that, or put something uh, on, you know, uh, on the phone or something. Um, that lasts for two minutes at least. So because it can feel like you're there for a long time, and then people just end up stopping, uh, you know, um, after two minutes. And make sure children are brushing all sides of their teeth. So commonly, children just quickly go on the front teeth. Uh, they never brush the backs of the teeth or mm. inside of the teeth. So make sure that's parents, um, uh, you know, um, responsibility. In terms of snacking, uh, it might be shocking to know, children don't just get all these sugary things themselves. Mostly it's the parents who bring them home. So make sure when you're shopping, make those healthy choices. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the grandparents or uncles and aunties. So just possibly occasional treat is acceptable. And of course, we don't have uh, advising that, you know, you just have something boring every time. 
but uh, in moderation is fine and uh, occasional treat is okay but it should mm. not be a regular thing so that's what parents can do um dr sama one thing about eating or you talked about diet as well anything would say that this is totally a no go like any food or drink you which comes to your mind right now is like for you not suitable for the teeth and to, to, a, to a child to a child or yes. even to uh, to an uh, yeah. adult person okay that's 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 a very good question so what i find shocking when i see some of the young children uh, is the rise of uh, using energy drinks or fizzy drinks okay. Uh, they mm-hmm. are full of sugar. So, for example, a typical can of a fizzy drink might have somewhere um, around 30 to 35 grams of sugar. And uh, the other thing they have, so some people then think it, it, we, we can then switch to something like the diet version or the, you know, mm-hmm. the you know, sugar-free version, but that still has a lot of acid. So although it's not giving the sugar to the bacteria in your mouth, uh, but it's throwing acid on your teeth and that means you're still wearing them away you're eroding them so that's one of the really things to look out for and thing is uh, there are lots of sugary snacks uh, you know out there so just watch out for them but fizzy drinks i think for me certainly as children go into teenage that becomes a real issue so do look out for them and for young children it should be an an, an absolute no go i i do not think it should be given to children okay so well, thank you for that um dr sama uh as a child as a child why is it so important for child to see a dentist regularly i know it's important but what is the reason for that that's that's a re- that's a good question so um Technically, we uh, are happy as dentists to see a child from one year onwards. We don't necessarily do anything um, excessive or you know, we don't okay. do any treatment, but our guidelines are A, to get um, a child accustomed to coming to a dentist. That again comes down mm-hmm. to building a routine. Secondly, we can look out for any developmental problems. So for example, if some of their teeth that are, uh, should be there by a certain age, if they're not there, there could be a good reason for it they could be they could be stuck for uh, a certain reason there could be a cyst there could be other issues going on so that's one of the things we can spot but it's more about helping them build up their you know acceptance of it or they getting used to it and secondly from 3 years onwards our sort of guidelines to the dentist are that we want to apply uh, a higher sort of concentrated version of a toothpaste if you like certain uh, applications or certain varnishes to their teeth that lots of studies have shown that prevent decay and reduce the risk of children being able to get decay and that's supposed to be applied twice a year which is why the common thing recommendation of going to the dentist every 6 months comes from so that's uh, number one secondly if they have then a positive experience i they then start listening to dental advice from a young age that means where they would then higher chance of them implementing it that means their prevention will be good their self dental care will be good that means they're unlikely to have any big problems and that means they are very less likely to need any significant dental treatment which means their positive it will be always positive reinforcement whereas if they avoid coming or they come at a much later age they don't know what to expect because they they haven't got used to it then unfortunately if by then they've only visited because something has gone wrong they will then have a bad experience 
because it's not pleasant having um, you know dental treatment, especially if it's of significant nature. And unfortunately, with uh, dental problems, commonly if you've attended in pain, it can normally mean for children one thing, which is basically taking the tooth out, which isn't which would require an injection. And then um, you know, obviously, if the children can't cope, um, and I I know some children in my family who who had to go through it, where they have to be then referred to the hospital. So being admitted to the hospital for children is uh, the most common uh, reason for it is dental extractions, so which is a shame. So I think this is why it's important because we can spot things early, we can spot the problems uh-huh. early and do something about it early. Uh, and then we can introduce preventative uh, uh, techniques and also we can uh, acclimatize them to visiting the dentist and then hopefully they're set for life and then they they can then look after it and then uh, uh, avoid having to need uh, any treatment. Amazing. Um, Dr. Osama, just one last question, if you allow me. Um, how can children assess dental care in the UK? Okay, so um, it's, it's a good question because uh, um, these days, especially after the pandemic, uh, yeah. lots of people are struggling to get access to a, a dentist. Um, so. We are very fortunate in this country that we have a system um, with the NHS where it's it's very generous in the sense that children up to the age of 18 are covered free of charge, um, that even if they need treatment, it will be provided for them free of charge. And even if they're 18 and they're in full-time education, they can still get an extra year out of it. So it's really important that um, you you know make the effort now, um, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of the capacity, the number of patients the practices could see was reduced, and that's why they weren't able to take on any significant new patients. The, those pressures are easing. So firstly, I hope that a lot of the listeners who are listening, their children are already registered with a dentist, in which case make sure you keep going every six months, uh, and then you will maintain uh, you know, a relationship with that practice, and then they'll be happy to assist you. Uh, if um, there is uh, at all a struggle, obviously you can search for your local practices or you've moved area. There's a website called NHS Choices, uh, which if you put your postcode in, it will show you your local dentist. It may be that you have to ring up a few practices. Some practices might not be taking on new patients because they've already reached the quota that you know NHS has given to them. Um, but they're more um, sort of uh, open to taking children on. With adults, it can be a, uh, be a bit difficult. Uh, or if uh, failing that, if you don't find an NHS dentist, then of course the uh, there is also the private option, which uh, again for children it'll most likely be the, there'll be a smaller charge. Normally fees are low for children, but some practices uh, like mine, for example, they offer free uh, children checkups if the parent is registered there. So it's always important to ring around. I, my recommendation would be because it's free of charge and uh, you know uh, all the guidelines are followed in the same way. Try an NHS dentist. Uh, and then, um, uh, of course, private practices or people who have certain health issues or children who have significant health problems, sometimes they are not suitable for treatment in general practice. But when you visit uh, your general dentist, then they can always recommend and refer you to um, what's called community dental service or in a hospital where your needs can be catered for and met. Um, and that's, that's what I would say, but it's very important to um, have that regular relationship with the dental practice. Dr. Sama, um, thank you so much knowledge you gave us and some important advices you gave us to 
Um, I really appreciate that, and I also appreciate your time. I wish you all the best for the future, and hopefully we can have you once uh, after a few weeks or months. I don't know when, but hopefully we can have you back again on the breakfast show. My, Thank you for my me. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Zakharov. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Thank you. You too. Moreover, in these days we must pay particular attention towards our prayers. And since I spoke about the etiquettes of the mosque. I would also like to say that especially in the winter and also at other times of the year as well, those who wear socks to the mosque ought to wear a clean pair of socks each day and they ought to wash them. If there is a foul odor from one's socks or feet, this can be a source of discomfort for those around that person or it will cause discomfort for those who are standing for prayer and who would perform the sajda a prostration in the row behind. We should be very mindful of this. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has also instructed that one should not eat anything that gives off a strong odor, such as garlic or raw onion, and come to the mosque. So, those were the interviews, um, one being with um, a respected doctor, Salman Riaz, um, and the other being a clip from one of the various programs um, that the community runs on our TV channel, um, MTA. Um, so hopefully our listeners have had a, an opportunity to greatly understand the significance of instilling oral hygiene within our children. Um, and with that, we swiftly move on to our second segment for this morning, and that being around Valentine's Day. Um, and in essence, um, as to how all of us can really spread and receive uh, one's love and indeed compassion, um, and how we can use the language of love um, and make us uh, and make use of them and spread harmony among all relationships every day so the question arises brother Hashmi um, is the celebration of Valentine's Day a business opportunity or is there actually something deeper than that well um, brother Shazib uh, Valentine's Day is basically one of the top holidays that uh, consumers like to spend and give so according to the National Retail Federation, consumer spend was up to a total of $24 billion in 2022. Looking to 2023, it's not just the traditional gifts that will drive Valentine's Day spend. Uh, this midwinter occasion is the perfect time to warm up small business sales and help people who celebrate uh, you know, it bring a little more joy this winter season. So if we look at some stats, um, 32% of people in UK celebrate Valentine's Day, along with 47% of Americans, 38% of the Spanish, and 35% of the French. Of the people who will do something festive, going out to dinner is the most popular option worldwide, followed by those who simply plan to treat themselves in some way. Through all the money spent on gifts for loved ones and festive activities, many businesses earn a significant amount from the retail of theme-related items such as roses, chocolates and hearts, etc. Um, The heart-shaped box of chocolates is still one of the most popular um, Valentine's gift and nearly 48% of consumers say chocolate is one of the top gifts they present to their partner. Jewelry is also um, a classic choice, symbolizing eternal love and making them 
quite romantic. Mm, very interesting. And um, our listeners will be, um, you know, um, surprised to find that within the Holy Quran, there are uh, verses which remind us of um, our relationships. Um, and one such verse being in chapter 30, verse 22, in which Allah the Almighty states, and I quote, And among his signs is that he created for you mates from among yourselves. You may dwell in peace and tranquility with them. And he has put love and mercy between your hearts. Verily, in that are signs for those who reflect. So, I guess this being a, um, a very um, interesting topic, especially with the time that we are in, um, you know, the sad state of affairs um, in Turkey and in, in uh, Syria. Um, so, you know, a thought and indeed a prayer for those uh, lost souls. Um, and I guess, I guess we as individuals at least can do our bit in you know promoting this sort of um love and indeed compassion um by remembering those people and indeed supporting them however we possibly can all in the festivity of valentines because at least from a, a religious point of view um you know valentines is a um, at least, you know, a secular um, incentive. But uh, from a religious point of view, looking after our relationships um, across the board is a is a fundamental teaching. Um, and although, you know, the traditional theme is for one's partner, but um, expanding this is, um, as mentioned prior, um, a religious obligation for all uh, Muslims around the world. The love of languages, it's what... Uh, uh, Valentine's is referred to um, and this idea has been around the early 90s and it was put forward by US marriage counsellor Gary Chapman and Dr Chapman theorised that people give and receive love in five different ways we all have one preference he says and understanding your primary love language and your partners too can lead to a more fulfilling relationship and these are the five love languages he defined quality time physical touch, acts of service, giving and receiving gifts, and words of affirmation. And the most direct way to find out yours is sitting down and doing an online test, apparently. And you can then reflect on the findings and see how you and your partner compare. There's tests for everything nowadays. Um, with that, we'll uh, play a very interesting interview with um, a guest caller of ours in one Debbie uh, Wang, who... Um, talks us through the specifics of Valentine's and helps us um, understand the topic at hand. Dr. Debbie is a social worker by profession and a physiotherapist with um, a thriving practice and an, a professor at the University of Waterloo and Wilfrid Laurier University in Canada with more than 25 years of clinical experiences. Debbie is, a passion, is passionate about her work and specialises in emotionally focused therapy for individuals, couples and families. Um, and she believes in the value of relationships and their power to change lives and transform society. Um, so we'll play that interview for our listeners shortly. Um, but before we do so, a quick quote from the founder of the religion of Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, and he stated, uh, with regards um, to uh, the expression of um, his love towards his wife, um, his wife uh, Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, would ask often 
um, to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, how is your love for me? And the Holy Prophet would reply, like the rope's knot, meaning that he was strong and secure. And she would ask after that, how is that knot? And he would reply, the same as ever. And, you know, it's reported that the Holy Prophet also said, it's also charity to utter a good word. Um, and in a separate narration, with regards to acts of service, it's reported that Al-Asud uh, asked uh, Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, what did the Prophet, peace be upon him, do at home? And she replied, he used to be the service of his family, and when it was time for prayer, he would go out to prayer. So a huge um, significance of making sure that we do look after and remember um, and really, I guess, appreciate our partners and relationships, um, not just for this one selected period, but for indeed the entirety of one's lifetime. And with that, we'll go to our interview with Dr. Debbie Wang. So dear listeners, um, I'm really delighted to welcome Debbie Wang, Dr. Debbie Wang to our show. She is a social worker by profession, a psychotherapist with a thriving practice and an under professor at University of Waterloo and Wilfrid Laurie University in Canada. With more than 25 years of clinical experiences, Debbie is passionate about her work and specializes in emotionally focused therapy for individuals, couples, and families. The listeners, she believes in the value of relationships and the power to change lives and transform society. Now, if you want to learn more about Dr. Debbie Wang and her work, you can check out her website at www.debbiewang.com. Dr. Debbie Wang, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. So happy to be here. I'm really delighted to have you with me. Um, Doctor, um, is there any social media account you have as well? Are you active on social media or on YouTube as well? Uh, I do have a personal YouTube channel. I have my LinkedIn profile, Facebook. That's what I have. Oh, perfect. I'm sure um, our listeners will check it out to learn more about you. Um, uh, Dr. Debbie Wang, for the ben- benefit of our listeners, could you please elaborate on your role and the work you do regularly? Sure. I'm very passionate in helping people to strengthen mm-hmm. their relationships, not just uh, with others, but with themselves and their loved ones. Yes, I'm located in Ontario, Canada. Currently, I teach at the local universities to nurture the young minds, and I also do my private practice, counseling, workshops, and I also supervising aspiring therapists to become specialized in emotionally focused couples therapy. Amazing. Um, Dr. Dai Wang, um, we have this commercial holidays such as Valentine's Day. Um, would you t- like to tell us the impact that these days have on relationships? Sure. Valentine's Day started in the 14th century okay. and continues to be celebrated now globally. It's definitely it's great to see lovers exchanging cards, red cards, flowers, chocolates, and the excitement in the shopping malls and the restaurants. But what that enhanced their relationship. Let's not forget the true meaning of couplehood 
it's not just the one-off event each year, but mm. it's just a day-to-day, moment-to-moment experiences mm. with your loved ones to strengthen the bond and the connection. So the okay. commercialized, yes. Uh, uh, go ahead. It's basically a daily routine, daily uh, routine we have to work on for our loved one, not only the specialist, but for that one day. Exactly. Don't overlook the most impact is the drip, 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 mm-hmm. moment by moment, day to day experience. Okay, great. Um, Dr. Debbie Wang, you know that this day and age that we live, we have a lot of uh, the divorce rate is rising. A lot of couples are struggling with their relationship. What advice would you give to these couples who are currently struggling in their relationship? Yes, that's what I do to help couples. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, relationships are not easy to maintain. And marriage takes hard work. Also, the heart work, it has to come from the heart. So Mm -hmm. when couples, they are struggling in their relationships, first of all, they need to know themselves well and their relationship well to understand why they get stuck, what caused that disconnection. I have this uh, very simple uh, concept to help couples. First, recognizing if there are some negative aspects. I call this the negative three A's. What are the three negative A's? Abuse, addiction, Mm -hmm. and affairs. When Mm. any relationship with any of these three A's, it's going to be mighty challenging to sustain the relationship. I'm not talking about uh, significant violence. I'm talking about in the presence of your conversation, you feel you're walking on the eggshells with your partner. Addiction, I'm not talking about just substance use. Nowadays, anything take away your focus in your loved ones, such as work overworking, gaming, or anything take away from your attention. That's addiction. Affairs, nowadays, we don't even need to have a third person right there and consider it's an affair. Nowadays, online access to all kinds of things, including porns and those uh, Mm. uh, things take your love and affection from your loved one, that's an affair. So any of the three negative A's is going to be stressed will create such a stress and potentially to break up the relationship. But then what do we do about it? The positive three A's. So what are the positive three A's? 
that the every relationship requires attention, mm-hmm. affection, mm-hmm. and appreciation. Of course. So with the attention, it's like a watering flowers to help it to bloom. Affection, we need that uh, connection and that bond to help us uh, handle life's challenges. And let's not forget, we take, oftentimes we take it for granted. Our partner doing certain things for us, being faithful, being helpful. We need to remember to show our appreciation. That for sure will strengthen any bond every relationship. No, that's very amazing. Um, thank you for that, Dr. Wang. Um, Dr. Wang, um, I've come across about love language. Um, how can couples utilize love language to increase their relationship or to better their okay. relationship? Okay, yes. Yes, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman's The Five Love mm. Languages. It's Lucky. classic. And... Uh, But how to apply those? Is such is there such a thing as love language? Every one of us, we were born with our own temperament, and how we receive love, understand love, have our own unique way. My way, your way, and my partner's way can all be very different. So this a primary love language. It's not the language you know how to speak, but when this love language can be acts of service, quality time, or words of affirmation, physical touch, or gift giving, whichever love language, when it's conveyed to you, You feel loved. You feel that warmth in your heart. That's your primary love language. So know yourself well. Know what you need, what makes you feel special. That's your love language. But how do we utilize this love language? I invite you and your audience to imagine mm-hmm. there's this emotional bank account. So we all love to have uh, an abundant bank account. But for relationships, we need to have a very good base for this emotional bank account. So when you speak any of this love language in a tangible and behavioral way, that's your way to make a deposit in your, your loved one's emotional bank account, whether it's doing small things, spending quality time to do things your loved one enjoy doing. And let's be generous with our words, words of encouragement, words of positive feedback, and a simple thank you goes a long way. Physical touch, let's simply put, it's that contact comfort and that to feel close to the other doesn't need to be only for sexual intimacy it's day to day the contact comfort either a, a hug holding hands touching each other on the shoulder 
that's mm-hmm. a, a mighty um, small deposit. And gifts, it's not that we need to have a bouquet of roses or a cruise vacation. We are talking those simple surprises to delight your partner's heart, those special things in a very tangible, small way. So I see love language. It's a good tool to help you fill up the emotional bank account. That's very interesting how you have uh, described that language with the bank account. It's very interesting. I'm sure that uh, listeners Mm -hmm. would have enjoyed it as well. Um, Dr. Wang, you have said that we shouldn't just focus on one particular day, but we should focus on every moment, that every moment is important for strengthening the relationship. Um, Are there any advices or ways you can tell us how, as a couple, we can celebrate our love with our loved one? Okay. The answer to your question Mm-hmm. is simple but not easy because okay. we are so accustomed to the familiarities of relating to our loved ones the same way, the same interactional dynamic. In today's fast-paced, busy life, we lose sight of the tiny things, right? Mm-hmm. To bring each other delight. So my uh quick things. It's tiny is mighty. We need to learn to hack our brains to have a small, simple connections with our loved ones, both non-verbally, hand-holding, eye contact, and use your voice in a calm voice. And don't forget to smile. Have you heard the term smizing? No. Smizing means to smile with your uh, face. Mm -hmm. Through your eyes, you know how to smile. Mm -hmm. And then really, when we, like it's not all perfect, there will be differences, there will be arguments, there will be conflict. But let's don't forget, when we do need to talk, to discuss, it's the five to one ratio. You do five simple deposits in your Mm -hmm. loved one's emotional bank account, and Mm -hmm. then do one withdrawal to discuss the unpleasant, perhaps difficult things. So the trick to hack our brain is to keep our message simple, clear, through gentle requests, not angry demands. If uh, smart couples can really hack their neural pathway, that their brain to see little things and make every day a Valentine's Day with that drip, drip effect, to fill their loved one's emotional bank account, that's the key. That's the key, exactly. You know, I really appreciate uh, the advice that you gave and uh, how you have basically summarized everything. It's very interesting and also very important for us. Dr. Debbie Wong, thank you uh, 
for your thought. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. I wish you all the best for your work as well. And hopefully one day we can have you again in the big picture. Thank you for coming. Thinking, thank you for taking out your time as well. Thank you for everything. And thank you. And I wish your radio station continue to do the excellent work and thank to you. create a positive impact for your audience. Bye. Thank you. Bye. God bless you. Bye. Dear listeners, uh, I'm here with Dr. Audrey Tang, who is a chartered psychologist and award-winning business author with a focus on practical tools for well-being. She hosts podcasts like "You Train Your Brain for Success" and the well-being launch on N Life Radio, which is second-place silver female presenter of the year 2020 in the Community Radio Awards. Is a presenter on disruptive television and provided psychology contribution to Channel 4. Don't diet lose weight and the Chrissy B show Audrey is also a qualified teacher CBD accredited trainer leadership development coach and FIRO B relationship profiler as well as her workshops webinar in person and coaching practice she is a long time advocate for boosting mental and emotional fitness with the community through her work with Click Production which she founded in 1993 Um Dr. Audrey Tang, uh welcome and good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And what a lovely introduction. That's so kind of you. Thank you. No, you are most welcome. Um, I just had a question about click production. Can you um kind of um explain us what is click production? Yes, absolutely. Well, it started off as an amateur dramatic uh, group where we used to invite anyone who wanted to take part and have a go on stage to do that. And One of the things that we learned through that was how much confidence people can build just by being in a safe space and being able to express themselves and to be encouraged to be creative and to 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 be able to talk about some things which mm. I guess they wouldn't normally be able to do and then it moved on from there to running well-being workshops and again giving people opportunities to stand up and really find their voice and that that's really what click productions is all about so i'm so into all of this relationship building confidence building and i think it all kind of comes down to something very very fundamental in ourselves and that's to do with self love that's amazing is there any way to um to register in that uh, click production or is there any uh, internet site as well where people can do more research about that Yes, of course you can find us at www.clickproductions.co.uk and that's our website that shows all the shows that we've done but also the well-being workshops we've been running and you know for example I'm I'm going to be doing a burlesque class for the over 40s to teach okay. body love and I'm also going because we really women we're really down on ourselves sometimes and it's not about being sexy or anything like that it's about loving and appreciating ourselves but also I teach things like public speaking and being able to stand up in front of an audience and have your voice heard that's amazing Truly, that's very amazing. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you, um, Dr. Tang. Um, I have a few other questions prepared as well. I just wanted to know that uh, what do you think are some of the best ways people can show appreciation to their loved ones, directly or indirectly? Well, certainly directly, we can tell them because we don't often do this. Mm-hmm. I do a little exercise in my workshops 
where I tell people to think about the people who really mean something to them, who they're so grateful for, and then to text them and tell them. And I always have to say to them, make sure that you actually say you're in a session and the coach has asked you to do, do this. Otherwise, people write back saying, why are you saying something like that? That's a bit weird. And I think that's such a shame that we have to wait until we're at crisis point before we tell someone that we love them. And so mm. tell them directly. Mm. That's really important. But also, indirectly, they're little things as well. It's about keeping those little promises. If you say you're going to phone at two o'clock, you phone at two o'clock. It, that, it, that kind of thing, it, it, it shows that person that you were thinking of them and they matter to you. Make sure that you have each mm. other's backs. So maintain a united front. It's not a case of just say, you know, you're running late and you've forgotten the passports and you, you might miss your plane. And, and one person just always turns around and blames the other. You've got to remember, you had a responsibility too. Mm. You could have said something too. So don't always blame. Have each other's backs. Work as a team to work it out and then deal with it later on. Also, be proud of each other as individuals. Celebrate each other's success without envy it's all about being pleased to see somebody who's so close to you in your orbit growing because that actually reflects so wonderfully on you as well and also remember that relationships do take work it's a choice every single day to commit to them and there's nothing wrong with that the thing is when you're with somebody who's willing to put in just the same amount of commitment it's absolutely lovely so there's a lot more indirect stuff in there than direct but I think the indirect has the potential to be a lot more important. Amazing. No, that's true. Um, thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to know, also wanted to know that, do you believe that there's a language which is called lost language? And if, yes. that, if that language exists, um, are they effective in strengthening one's relationship with the significant other? I'm so happy you asked this question. I love the work of Dr. Gary Chapman, who identified the five languages of love. And okay. they, they are acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, intimacy, and gift giving. And what Dr. Chapman says is that we have preferences for one of them, two of them, three of them, and so on. The problems come in relationships when one partner has a preference for giving and receiving love in a certain way. Another, the other partner has a preference which is completely different, and you're kind of just misreading the signals. So, for example, my husband uses acts of service a lot. He fixes my car. He does the cooking. He puts up the wardrobe, yeah. you know. But uh, because I'm a writer, I like words of affirmation. And sometimes I feel a bit, well, why haven't you said something nice to me? And actually, I don't fix his car. I don't cook dinner quite as much as he does. And it's really important that we both begin to recognize how we're both showing love and appreciate that. So it's not a case of that these are the only ways we can give and receive love. They are just preferences but if you aren't recognizing the love that your partner's showing maybe explore well actually are they wanting to spend time with me are they wanting to have that intimacy or are they wanting to give me gifts then maybe that's the way that they're showing love and because my way is acts of service or words of affirmation I've just not noticed it talk about these preferences with your partner and see how you can both work to both be able to have mm. your needs met. And actually, it says a lot more if you're unwilling 
to have that conversation. No, true. Thank you for that. Um, Doctor, uh, is it possible to love someone when you don't love yourself? Yes. Now, this is one of those questions because there's that horrible mantra that goes around and you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're all a work in progress. So there will be times when all of us, and I would say I have the Instagram brain version of a six pack you know my mental and emotional strength <laughs> is there but but even i have days where i'm just down on myself but that doesn't mean i can't give love to other people we're all a work in progress the problem happens if you are seeing your partner or hoping that they are the solution to all of your own insecurities and issues so for example if you have a, a difficult relationship with your body for example you cannot expect your partner to solve that problem for you and that's where the the, the blurred lines comes come when it comes to not being able to love yourself if you or love somebody else if you don't love yourself it's not a case that you can't but if you're looking to your partner to make it all better then actually that's not going to happen because that's not what their job is. We must stop seeing our loved ones as our other half. We are perfectly wonderful human beings as we are on our own. And the things that we can benefit from our partners and our loved ones, that's just a bonus. That's extra. They don't complete us. They actually make us even better than we are. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, doctor, what are some signs of a deteriorating or toxic relationship and when is the best time to ask for support? If you begin to notice that maybe you're always thinking it's your fault that something's gone wrong or mm. maybe someone's putting you down all the time and you, you're just feeling down and you're not sure why or you're walking around eggshells around your partner because you're not sure how they're going to react. Or maybe they always break plans or they, they're flaky towards you. Or maybe you want to talk to them about you, but they make it all about them. And they are only happy when you're complimenting them. Those are some of the signs that there could be a narcissist in your life or there can be a, a deterioration to toxicity. Other things that are quite interesting as well. These are other less direct signs. Your other friends may actually be less keen to hang out with your partner. And if mm. that's the case, that, that can be an indication that they're not that nice to be around. Or if you're always making excuses for them, that might indicate a problem as well. Also, if you begin to feel that they're just using you for their own benefit, so they're, they're always saying things like, oh, I love going out with you because you've got access to this club or we go to that restaurant or you, you're able to pay for expensive meals, then there might be something else that they're looking for from you rather than, a, a genuine relationship another thing is if they themselves don't have many long-term friends because sometimes if you hear people say oh i always have these really intense relationships and then suddenly they just all go quiet on me okay that can be because the other person was toxic but if this happens a lot it may also be because those friends have finally realized that they don't really want to be friends with that person mm. anymore the other thing is if they're always trying to change you, and it may not be obvious, oh, don't wear that, don't wear this, but it might be things like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Oh, I thought we'd agreed that you would do something else. Those sorts of little comments where you're not really allowed to have your own sense of free thought, that can be a problem as well. 
Um, and also, finally, if they're not validating your feelings, that's a real problem. So you're feeling upset and they say, oh, you'll be fine, get over it. And actually, that can be one of the most harmful traits of all because that can be toxic positivity. And sometimes toxic positivity can come from a place of love. Somebody says, oh, I'm feeling so useless and so rubbish. And, and you want to say to them, oh, no, but you're brilliant. You're amazing because that's what you see. You're not validating their right to feel rubbish they're allowed to feel that way so you're better off actually saying i'm really sad you feel that way tell me a bit more about it what's going on with you and that way you validate their right to feel as they do and you ask them to speak more about it and that really deepens your connection amazing um doctor um is there any kind of support uh, available for couples or people who are looking for relationship advice or help Yes, absolutely. Well, if you want to know a bit more about the love languages, do go to www.5lovelanguages.com and you can find out what your preferences are. And it's five as in the number five, lovelanguages.com. Uh, there's okay. always therapy, there's always counselling, but we need to remember that solving relationship issues is not just about talking. Talking helps, but there can be that feeling if you go to counselling, it becomes a bit of a blame fest. It becomes a bit of a, oh, they did this, they did that. It's about your willingness to be able to listen and perhaps work with those suggestions for change and to keep that work up. But the one thing I will say is just be very careful when it comes to therapy and counselling because psychology is still not a regulated profession. If if you work within organizations and you are a protected term psychologist, so that means clinical psychologist or um, occupational psychologist, then you will be registered with the HCPC and they have a register. You can check out any professionals on that. But otherwise, um, I'm a chartered psychologist, so you can check me out on the British Psychologic, Psychological Society website and also the bps.org.uk. Their website has great um, links to find support too. But if you're also looking for a therapist, then look up the BACP register as well, because again, it means if you're registered either with the BACP or the HCPC or the BPS, you do have credentials. You do have learning in things like ethics and you've got a code of conduct and that's really really important you're not just sitting there charging somebody 60 quid to listen to them when you've got no real means of being able to help them the fundamental academic means I mean. amazing dr um tang i really enjoyed the interview today um i appreciate I your time as well thank and, you uh, so much no um I, as I said, uh, I'm very honored to have you uh, with us and hopefully one day we can, have, we can have you again on the Voice of Islam radio. Thank you. Oh, I'd be thrilled. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. you too. Thank you. So that was our interview with the doctor and a huge thanks to all of our guests and production team. And here's the nine o'clock news.